If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Horse welfare and safety are of utmost importance where humans have any interaction with horses. Within the courses at International Horse College, we only utilise methods that promote safe and humane ways of interaction between horses and humans. We only support safe methods of educating riders, handlers and trainers about horse welfare. Internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Our guest today is Natalie Blundell. Natalie's an eventing specialist, coach, trainer and competitor. She's an international four-star three-day event rider who's produced many horses through the levels of dressage and eventing. She's won the 1999 Adelaide four-star. She was an Australian team member for the Trans-Tasman Championships in 1999, 2011, 2012 and was on the elite squad for Sydney Olympics as well as being a reserve for the Australian eventing team for the World Equestrian Games in France 2014. That's a bit of a mouthful, Nat. How are you today? <laughs> uh, yes, I'm um, good, thank you. Very busy. Good. Yes, yes. We've sort of got you at lunchtime, haven't we? Driving your car up from uh, from horses uh, and about to go into yep. town and get feed. Yes. So we should get. Oh, it's always uh, yeah, it's always yeah. something. And then the chiropractor's coming this afternoon and yep, yep. Uh, teaching a lesson later and <laughs> trying <laughs> okay. to get it all in that little small amount of time. Well, thanks for sharing your time with us. I'm sure our listeners appreciate it. Let's start off with your favourite quote. Well, when I was at school, I um, our school motto said, Ad Astra, reach for the stars. So um, I guess that's something that I've always tried to do since I was at school, like um, in trying to get the best as um, I can. Um, yeah. And my star reached probably to try and make the Olympic Games one day, but at the moment yeah. um, I've done pretty well with my career, so I'm... I'm still reaching for the stars now. Yeah, yeah. Keep going and um, I'm sure you'll get there. Now, do you tell your students this now, reach for the stars? Yeah, I either, like if I, if I'm, someone's coming up to me when I do some painting clubs and things like that and um, if they're wanting me to sign something for them, I'll, I might write, so add us to a reach for the stars. But um, a lot of the time I'm just telling people to um, believe in themselves and, trying to, you know, do as best as they can and and, and then half the problem is people are too worried about what everything else is going on around them rather than just thinking to believe in themselves and just worry about their own thing. Yep, yep. Now, I want you to think about going back when you first started riding, not necessarily tell us about generally how you started riding, but tell us about one of your first memories. Do you remember a particular horse, a particular time you rode, a funny event, a an amusing event or a scary event? Was there anything there that you can think of that you'd like to pull out of your memory? Yeah, I had a couple of good little ponies when I was young. I had a, a little black shat one called Flicker. Mm-hmm. Um, and Flicker sort of used to do sometimes anything he wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, yeah, he was a he was a great little pony. I had to make him do what he wanted to do and because I was bossier than him, I used to get him to do what I wanted to do. But then at the same time, I think I remember one of my first uh, one-day events, 
I was riding, um, I can't remember it was, it might be like somewhere out in the middle of nowhere, yeah. <laughs> like Calcan or, <laughs> oh, I don't know. Um, and then I was riding Flickr and my mum was, um, all of a sudden she was riding this big um, thoroughbred called Planet and he would he was an ex-sequel um, chaser and he did the bolt on mum and she ended up pointing him towards the dam. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then that's how she stopped him. <laughs> um, it was a bit wild, and then like me on Flickr, and I just remember riding around, and then and him bolting with me, me going, oh. Look at it. I think at the same day, that so jumping around, I think there was a hay bale on the second fence, and he stopped and ate the hay bale. Oh off, no! I wasn't very oh, no. that. I think I, I think I was a little bit angry about that one. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I do remember. <laughs> I was very young. Yeah, <laughs> it would be only yeah. maybe five or six. <laughs> Now, from those early memories and, you know, having the school motto of reach for the stars, were you always going to have a career with horses? Was that just something that you were always going to do or was it a particular time that made you decide to have a career with horses? Uh, I guess when I was at school, I was riding racehorses before school from about 14. Like I did a little bit of stable work for a stable and then got asked to do some track work for another stable just in the local Arian Harden, and um, so I'd go and ride about two um, to three horses over the morning and then go to school and then ride mine in the afternoon. So I guess it, to start with, I just assumed racing was the only thing you could make money out of. And But when I was at school, I went to give my hate to the sea. I was sort of thinking I was going to be maybe, had no idea really, but you know, I was good at art or something like that. But then I got the opportunity to um, work for Heath and Rosie Ryan as a working student. So after a year or so of that, like I realised it was a whole new avenue. I had no idea about that mm. you could actually make money. Like I had coaches come to me and things like that. Um, Joe Brady was one of my early coaches that, that she went through the Heath and Rosie Ryan as well, and she's the one that sort of got me into that. Um, into there as a working student and gave me a whole new avenue of yeah, what. So, yeah. yeah, so I guess from there I've come home and after I finished with those guys and, um, yeah, started my career. What do you think that Heath and Rosie saw in you to offer you the job as a working student? You know, thinking about core skills and character traits. Um, I guess <laughs> Heath, this amazing character, when I first, met Heath I think at one of the events and I think uh, I think Joe might have even got me into a lesson with Heath when I was about 15 and had this little thoroughbred off the track it was quite nice and then Heath yeah like you know I was my eyes popped out of my head like I just couldn't believe someone that was so <laughs> exuberant and um, positive and basically tell me that and there I was going to make the next Olympics <laughs> yes. <laughs> if I, if yeah. I trained really hard and, um, and that's what Heath brings to anyone like he um what he saw in me, I, I guess, I don't know. I think he maybe he thought I was a good rider, I suppose. But I think he, he, he sort of, it's more like him making you believe. And I guess that's probably he's what like I, that, isn't he? Yeah. I bring yeah. back to my students is is his belief that he can get anyone to to do that. And then, you know, coming back to me, and I guess in my similar kind of way of teaching, I don't really let up. I really try and make people go as the best of their own ability. What about if some of your students said, I want to work in the horse industry? What would you say to them? What skills do they need to get started, character traits? Um, just to I get think, started, they don't have to be... Yeah, yeah. look, it is, a, it is hard work. You don't 
it's nothing's ever given to you. I don't care even if you've got money. It's still not – if you really want to be good at this sport, you have to work at it. There's no no shortcuts. Um, yeah, look, some people have it easier um, to be able to buy good horses and things like that. But if you really, really want to do it, like that wasn't me. I was, I was just like – a kid from out the bush in a way that and I had no idea I didn't even I'd never even been to a three-day event when I was when I left school um so I had no idea about anything really and I mean I knew I, I could ride I could ride race horses I was good with tricky horses um, um but yeah like I guess if, if they really love it's just a passion you've just got to just got to be born into you really so unless you're prepared to work hard um a lot of my students see me and go, oh, maybe I need a job. <laughs> yes. Um, because they see how hard I, I, you have to do to work <laughs> to actually do it. And I don't know if a lot of kids these days, you know, there there's certainly few of them that do it, but there's not as many that want to just do all the hard work to um, to keep going with, with this job. What do you think is the best thing about working in the horse industry? I really enjoy just the social aspect, especially eventing. Um, yeah, like I, I, I like I love working with animals and being outside, and I enjoy that. But um, but it's also the people too. Like if you know the the good people in the sport just makes it more enjoyable. Uh, you know, that's, so that's my my biggest thing. Like I I've got a I do this as a sport as a job, but I really I wouldn't do it if I didn't enjoy it. So um, yeah, no, I think. Just that, really, the people, the hardworking people, the team members you're with, the committee, all the people that work to put events together. Uh, if it wasn't for any of those guys, it wouldn't be a sport. Yep, yep. You talked about, because you said the people, and you've already talked about Joe Brady and Heath and Rosie Ryan. Who else has influenced yep. you, do you think? Not just someone that you met that you thought was great, but given you advice or helped you with your horses or given you something that's sort of made you change your career, you know, change and, and put you in the right direction? Mm. Yeah, well, I guess recent years I met Andrew Hoy and he's been helping me like on and off the last few years with with everything as well. Like if he comes to Australia, I get to have lessons, but I also trained with him over in the UK. And I guess what I liked about Andrew, I like I like the horsemanship that he showed. Like it's yep. sort of... Look, I know he wants to win, but he's not going to win at all costs. And for me, that sort of is quite important. I, I really, um, yeah, I, I sort of feel like I'm more of a horseman. Like, you know, everyone has got to be tough on their horses to make them do what they want. But, but you, there's sort of at a point where um, where, you, where you want to have horses work for you rather than um, you just making them <laughs> yeah. do things. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that just the fact that, and, you know, he's a he's a brilliant rider as well. Like, there's no doubt about that. He's, yes. a, he's amazing on a horse and he's been doing it for a very long time. So I guess um, so I guess we had similar views, um, but, you know, he taught me a lot, you know, a lot more about <laughs> being more finesse and things like that. And, you know, I've still got so much to learn to stop anyone <laughs> at the moment. So, yeah, Andrew's probably in recent years, yep. being someone that's really influenced me. Good, good. Now, if you had to choose one horse that's helped you with your career, who would that one horse be? I suppose Billy Bathgate. Okay. Um, he's the one that started it all. Yep, yep. He was a just a beautiful, very calm, quiet 
thoroughbred that um, I was very lucky to have um, some people in Harden um, spotted my talent, I suppose, and, yep. and they asked me what would it take to make the Olympics and me and my naive, well, I probably need a horse. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And then... Uh, but he was the one you got on the elite squad for for Sydney, wasn't he? Yes, yeah, yeah. and yeah. then we won, and we won, yeah, the Adelaide Four Stars. So, yep, yeah, um, yeah. So we bought him. He'd done a couple of two stars. He'd been with a few different riders, and um, I guess you know, like no one really knew his potential. I guess he was he he was a really nice dressage horse, but he'd also had the odd couple of stops cross country, and he probably wasn't a super careful show jumper. So, um, but as a schoolmaster for me. Um, he was perfect. So, yes. Yes. Um, but then I guess I took him back to pre-novice because that's what I was riding at at the time and went, got sent up to Heath and Rosie Ryan and, um, yeah, went from there to four-star and winning a four-star in three years. So it was a bit of a fairy tale, really. <laughs> okay. And do you think that's <laughs> your proudest moment is winning that four-star on him? Yeah. No, I, I think it definitely is. Like that's something – and I guess I didn't even – like the weight of it, I, even like the year before, I think we placed fifth, and I was like, ah, I've placed fifth. And Heath was like, oh, well done, that's great. And I was looking at him, going, oh, I'm just going to want to win it next year. <laughs> but I was, when you're 18, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> when yeah. you're 18, you just don't realise how. And then I guess when once um, old Billy sort of he had an injury before the Olympics, so unfortunately didn't quite make it. But then that's when I realised. And in the, every the year since, how hard it is actually to get there. So, yeah, I was, yeah. as I said, it's sort of you can have this fairy tale journey, and what you do <laughs> learn is that it's not always a fairy tale. I don't care who you are, <laughs> things yeah. happen, and you go from the top to the bottom very quickly. Tell us about the biggest challenge you've had, you know, going from the top to the bottom or doing something like that. What's been your biggest challenge? Um, yeah, well, I started I just trying to find horses that. I guess there was Billy, like he, he was a bit of an unlikely character. He's, he wasn't, like if I probably rode him now, I'd probably think, oh, he's not much of a jumper. But in hindsight, like just because he was so quiet and, you know, yeah, <laughs> now yeah. I, like, I like horses a little bit more fiery and um, go about them and things like that. So, yeah, like I think the challenge is just trying to get back there again. It, it took, I had a few nice horses, but nothing kind of made it the whole way. And then I learned, so much about keep managing horses' soundness and stuff. I probably yep. had really no idea back um, years ago. Like, you know, as I said, you learn as you go. And I learned on probably the best horse I've had <laughs> to, um, to help, to manage, maintain, and then prevent, I guess. And that's a, a big learning curve. And I wish I knew, like, then what I know now. But that's kind of how it goes. It's life and living. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, like I said, that's the challenge is getting horses back there, and and even now, like I've I started again after coming back a few years ago from overseas after algebra, and yeah, spent the last three years getting horses back, and yeah. but you know, but it all takes time. <laughs> yes, yes. What about for someone who says you know just sort of straight out of school, put yourself back coming straight out of school, and can I come and work? For you and be your working student and I want to go to the Olympics, what advice would you give them? Um, I would say you have to really be prepared to, you know, do 
to work extremely hard. It's not like it's just thinking on not just on that one horse. It's just learning about everything and just listening to people, not sort of like some people I think they've got their own ideas, but I think they've sort of realised that we've already been through all of that. <laughs> um, so uh, and, and ask questions and ask people things, not just sort of don't be sort of afraid. I think, think for me when I was at the centre, I, I didn't realise it, but I was probably more selfish than I thought I was because I'd, I'd be the one that, putting my hand up to ride all of Heath's horses and things like that, um, but not doing all, not doing the mucking out jobs. And I was very lucky because he let me ride all his horses <laughs> when he went away, and, and I didn't have to do as many stables. <laughs> but you know, you've got to be you've got to be prepared to do do all the work. Work. Um, you do need to ride lots of different horses. I think the more horses you can be on, the better. Just just to gain experience and fitness and just ability to. Like the more more you're riding, the more practice you're getting. Um, in other words, and it'd be nice, like back years ago, and even myself now, I ride lots of green horses and things. But in an ideal world, you'd probably, if you could ride all just really nice horses, well then you don't run into bad habits as much. But at the same time, if you if you unless you've got that sort of income behind you, you have to learn to ride um, all the different stuff, sort of horses to be able to keep yourself you know, within, so you can fund yourself, basically. What about putting on your coach's cap when you're out at events? What's a common problem you see with people when they go cross-country? Where are they picking up faults and what could they be doing differently? Or maybe maybe they're going out and going clear, but they're still doing something that's stopping them progressing through the grades. What's a fault that you see and how can it be fixed? A lot of people don't have any idea on how to ride a fence in the right way and and in the right balance and uh, and the rhythm and things like that and people don't they rely on horses yeah like you've got to try and look for a good distance do you know how the effect of jumping down a hill in a combination does compared to jumping up a hill um, and again like people just got to ask people if you're talking just say you're walking someone through a course and um, you're talking to them about Riding a combination downhill, riding a combination uphill, going through water, going over a drop jump, looking at a ditch. Just give us a couple of examples of how they're ridden differently because, you you know, you're right because people just go, oh, yeah, it's a jump, I'll just ride it. But how do they ride them differently, the different types of cross-country fences? Yeah, well, I guess if you're going downhill um, to like a, a combination say like a, a triple bar to a ditch or whatever, you want to want to bring the horse up and really sit them on their, their hind end. You don't want to be letting the horse go down on the forehand and um, and being flat and, and just running through your hand because um, if, if you're – and then you want to sort of be in a slightly more defensive seat because say if you're jumping this triple bar and there's a like something a little ditch, I'm just sort of thinking of an example at Camden they had a – um, something like that where so you really have to sit the horse up but then the ditch afterwards you really need to keep your leg on to make sure the horses aren't going to be spooking um, and then jump the ditch and then balance again for for another um, vertical but if I was riding it up the hill I'd probably be a little bit more forward and a little bit more forward seat and a bit more positive um, and trying to get the horse to, to jump out of their stride a little bit more so it's not that you're setting up less you're just setting up in a different way letting you're riding more forward up the hill. Um, not necessarily for me, like if it's especially a, a steep hill, I 
it's not necessarily just setting up for a distance as much as just riding the rhythm um, and the power up the hill. And then generally, if you do that, then the distance comes to you then. Um, yep. So yeah, so that's that's basically two different ways. You, you really need to hook, like sit the horse on their bottom, yep. <laughs> going down yep. the hill, and then keep your leg on and sit a little more forward up the hill. What about water? Water, yeah. Look, you've got to remember that water will back most of the horses off, and especially in through the water. So you want to be able to, if it's just a simple log into water, be able to keep your, your leg on and, and ride a little strongly into it. Um, some horses. I mean, every horse is a little bit different. Like, like I've got a horse that will just pretty much take the whole water jump in one stride. <laughs> um, he just seems to always jump everything really big. And then my other horse, you just pop in like it's nothing. But, but still, you know, they want to land. Both horses would be slightly less balanced. So you have to sort of ride them up in front of the leg um, through the water, not land, wait for something to happen because then you'd lose all power. So, yeah, I think it's just a matter of land and, and really trying to ride that rhythm. Yeah riding through water there's always that little bit of drag so you, you've got to land and just and just keep going and that's my advice to people like, like sort of keep like land and just keep going and get the horse in front of their leg and into the hand as quick as you can um, even if you've landed a bit unbalanced the first thing you want to do is just kick them up in front of the leg again yep 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 now you talked about a downhill combination to a ditch if it was um yep. downhill combination to a drop would that be any different yeah, like I guess you don't want to be going 100 miles an hour down to a drop as fast. Not that you're going, you will be to the ditch so much, but um, I think I would more, I'd have the horse set up the same to the first fence, um, really sort of balanced land, and then just almost check the horse again a little bit because you, you sort of want a horse to just wait and assess the drop a little bit because, again, the, the more they launch off the ditches you know, it's not very good for their legs one and then um, so you just want them to pop down because the, if they just pop down nicely then they're going to be more, in more of a balance to take on if there's another fence afterwards and that's sort of going up the levels yep. where you might just jump one fence and a drop but then as it gets to um, three and four star or even two star like they, they'll be land and they'll be a couple of strides later or one stride later of arrowheads so you really want the horses just to land Sort of a little short and in nicely and in a balance, so then you can sit them up and get them to look at their next obstacle. Good, good. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. Okay, Nat, have you got a book that you'd like to recommend for our listeners, something that's going to complement their training or the cross-country training or just training in general? It's funny because I've just <laughs> been doing my level two yeah. coaching. I've got coaching course and I've been reading a couple of just basic things back to the um, German principles of riding and, mm-hmm. you know, just some of the basic things like that. Um, and I was like, oh, yeah, that is a really good book, you know. So I know it's only fairly basic in that one, but that was one that I quite like. was good to read back on. I hadn't read it for 20 years. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> it was when yeah. I did my level one. So. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of like it's got some basic stuff in, but, yeah, you can. You have it there as a reference and you can go back and read it again and again and get more out of it each time. Just even like just knowing what a heart fault really is and yeah. things like that yeah. um, and how – and then it's just it, – as even as a coach just to remember – the terminology and, and how and, and then it sort of comes back to you and then you can 
yes. draw that on. And, yeah. Yeah. Yep. What are you looking forward to at the moment? I'm looking forward to seeing how far I can get these couple of two-star horses mm-hmm. that I've got now. I've got a little Palomino mare that I've bred, and um, I've bred quite a few of those over the years, but I'm keeping this one, I hope. Um, but she's sort of seven and has done a couple of two-stars now, so I'm actually just looking forward to possibly doing Melbourne two-star on her. Yep. <laughs> I haven't done Melbourne for years, and just um, it kind of feels like I've had a bit of a holiday from the top, top level, mm-hmm. and it's sort of been nice because yeah, it's sort of less pressure and less intense and trying to make teams and squads and keep people happy. Yep. <laughs> um, yep. um, and this horse I own, so I can just, you know, do what I want when I want and sure. things like that. Um, but, yeah, I've also got another nice two-star horse for um, an owner, Rachel Stephen-Smith, and he's really scrumpy and he feels like he could jump four-star all day long, so it's just... He's a very long kind of horse, so he takes him a little longer just to get him together. But yeah, like what's his name? The two uh, Summer Rhythm. Okay. Summer Rhythm. Yeah. So I've got Summer Rhythm and Riverside Princess. So, and I've got plenty more horses in the paddock too that are, <laughs> that are showing lots of potential. But they're, they're the two that are, are kind of hitting that little bit more serious levels now, and and I feel both feel like they're very capable going at least to the next level and beyond. So, yeah, yeah that's pretty exciting. Um, it's sort of nice to have two horses at that level again. And, and I've got a sort of 105 horse. It's uh, one of the O'Reilly horses, and she's close to one star. And I've got some really nice young homebred horses that um, are very fancy, but I'm struggling to have time to ride them at the moment. <laughs> so, um, <Yep. laughs> just riding other – just trying to earn a living doing coaching and riding people's horses. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's kind of how it is. But they're they're both very nice, and they're only five, so it's they're only just starting to get a bit more serious with their work now. Okay. So okay. yeah, that's all pretty fun. All right. Now, would you be able to sum up your philosophy with horses? Oh, good question. Um, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because you know some people have already thought about it and they just go, "Oh yeah, this is my philosophy," or you know, you yeah, you'll find it on my yeah. website, or or I now I'm yeah. Work with work with your horses a little. Like every horse is, is different, and whilst you want to achieve the the same end result, is just um, really sort of listen to what your horse is doing, and um, uh, you know, and take you know, you, you can make a plan for a horse, but they're not necessarily going to get there. You have, there's always bumps and hurdles, so you just have to just take your time and and work with with that horse, and if you sort of don't rush things and um and let it let the horse let you know what where it's up to and what it's ready for then then yeah then you you can achieve a really good partnership and and go a long way um i think in the past if you've if i've gone up a little quickly on something or um yeah like i said in my in my learning days (laughs) and then then, you know it's always it's gonna end up in two so i think if you just yeah work with your horse and and just put the, the the work in the training, and yeah, you'll probably have, you'll experience a good outcome. Good, good. All right, now Natalie, we're going to have your contact details on horsechats.com/slash Natalie Blundell, or just go to horsechats.com and search for Natalie. But what's your contact details, just in case people have got a pen and ready to write this down? Um, okay, if you want to text or 
or call me. It's 0402-281-285. And I've got a website, www.natlundeleventing.com.au, and um, you can, there's a contact us page there. But if you want to check out uh, some of my things I do and price lists and things like that, training or coaching, then, yeah, then go ahead and have a look. Wonderful. All right. Thanks very much for talking to us today and hopefully we'll get you back sometime again soon so we can talk in uh, a bit more depth about what you're doing. Thanks very much, Nat. Talk to you later. Bye. No problems. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.